I'm here to say uh, that, that Dan, did, Dan and I did not get together and collaborate and say, hey, by the way, you need to say this because I've been saying this. And I want you to know that for weeks we've been standing in here. Just a couple of few weeks ago, I was standing right where Dan is sitting in daily prayer. The Lord reminded me of a picture he showed me back in 2020 of what God was going to do in 2021. And if some of you can identify with this, that 2020 looked as if a wildfire had burned through the lives of the people. And in this picture, it was nothing but ash and rubble. It was as if everything had been burned to the ground. And perhaps that's the way you experience life. But suddenly, as, as I was seeking the Lord, there was a rumbling that happened and, and new life began to spring forth from under this ash. And the Lord said, this is what it's going to look like in 2021. I was like, great. What's the verse? He said, Isaiah 40, 31. He says, but those who wait upon the Lord will be renewed in strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And we knew that God was about to move in power. We proclaimed it. It was good. But then suddenly, just a few short weeks ago, I was back down here in the place of prayer. And the same vision I had had in 2020 appeared before me. Exactly. I saw it over again. And this is what the Lord said. This begins now. This begins now. This is happening now. And I begin to know that this is the hour where many people are going to come to Christ. There are going to be all these divine appointments, these moments where you run and you're praying for people and they get healed. you're, You're seeking the Lord and you get answers and you get breakthrough. And we are seeing it happen. It's happening now. And in that same moment, God spoke to me so, so quickly. He said, in this hour, you focus on the seed, the soil, the soaking, and the sun. Just that fast. And it came rushing into my heart. And I knew that over this summer, that we as a church, we needed to get on the same page. And there's about 150 of us that I know of that uh, over the three services who have committed to reading through the New Testament over this summer. Let me just say this to you with great boldness. Uh, If you are not consuming the seed of the word of God, you will falter in this hour. We must be prepared for this moment. And preparedness comes from God's word. And I would say get on the same page. Pick up with us. It's time to open the word of God. And we're going to see where he carries us out of this summer into the greatest time of harvest this church has ever seen. And, 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 and so we, I spent some weeks talking about the value of the seed, which is the word of God described by Jesus in Luke chapter eight from the parable of the sower. It's the word of God. I spent weeks there. If you haven't heard any of those sermons, go to calvary.online. Please listen to those messages, get fed in your spirit by those. But God began to say, Hey, uh, church, I want to, I want to do a heart work in you. I want to do something in, in your heart so that you are ready, so that you can properly steward with the right attitude the people that I'm going to be sending to you. So you handle them properly. So uh, how many of you know that, that sometimes, you know, in an effort to bring in a harvest, or, or uh, I, I would say it this way, sometimes believers bruise green fruit. They're not ready or they don't treat a harvest which is almost ready to come into the kingdom with the care necessary in the time it is. And that is a heart issue that happens in the church. And the greatest parable Jesus ever spoke about the heart is called the parable of the sowers from Luke chapter 8. And we talked about 
uh, verse 5 for a couple of weeks. And if you didn't get to hear it, then, and then certainly go back and listen to it. But you need to know this. The soil mentioned in this parable is our heart. And Luke chapter 8, verse 5 is where we're going to just kind of uh, just jump off really quick today. And it says this, a, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. That's the one we're going to look at today. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and it choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. I want to let everybody know that's where we're headed. A hundred times more than what's been sown into you will be the harvest that comes through a heart that allows the cleansing work of the Word and the Spirit. You are going to see a multiplication happen in your life. It's a hundred times more. It's not just what you can do for God. It's God takes your efforts and multiplies it with the power of the Holy Spirit and brings many people into the kingdom. That's where we're headed. And as you know, the parable of the sower, many times people say, well, this is just four types of people. And it can describe four types of people. People who are, like we mentioned last week, they're, they're self-centered. They're too busy for God. They're on the path. They're going from here to there. They just have their whole life in, in mind. They're not thinking about God. They want to do their thing. They've got their own plan. And they're going, they're going in that direction. We, we talked about that. They, they are vulnerable to Satan. Satan is brought up with those people who are self-centered. It's an idolatrous kind of life. And they're vulnerable to Satan. But this week, we're going to look on those who were sown on stony ground. And it says this, immediately they receive that seed with joy and it springs up. But because it has no moisture, it withers. I want you to look at this. And when Jesus gives the explanation just a few verses later in verse 13, it says, those on the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it. They have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. I want you to notice that. That, that Those two words, fall away. In Matthew 13, where Jesus' description of the parable of the sower is given, there are some additional details given that I want you to see today. It says, the seed falling on the rocky ground is someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, what I want you to understand about the parable of the sower that it's not only describing, describing four kinds of people, but I also believe it describes seasons that people go through. How many of you were ever in a time of your life where you didn't really have your eyes on God and that the word of God was not working in your life? You had no idea about, about, about God. You weren't thinking about God. You weren't living for God. Yeah, you were just like the ones on the path. But I want to I tell you that it quite possibly... Every person in here experiences all four different types of, of, of soil. Many times they represent seasons that we go through. And I believe Jesus not only taught this to reveal that there are different kinds of people, but to absolutely expose the plans of the enemy so that you, can, you and I could walk in victory over Satan's schemes. So let's look a little closer at this. This is what I call a superficial heart. It's a superficial heart. And so what is the heart disease mentioned by Christ? In his explanation, in both 
Luke 8, Matthew 13, the heart condition is no root. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, no root. No root. So that's the heart condition. They have no root in verse 21. Now, we understand, I understand a little bit about science from elementary school. So when Jesus is giving this analogy, he's talking about the plant, and the root is that which is below the surface, and then there is the part that is exposed to the sun and and to the elements. What this is talking about is what, what happens to people and what they are exposed to when they, they, they receive the message of the gospel. How many of you know not everybody's going to be happy that you get born again or that you start living for God? Not everybody's going to be happy about that. Anybody got any of those people in your family? They just weren't real happy about that. It just gets on their nerves that you got free. And God started doing, doing something in your life. And so what happens? What happens to this one who, who now is exposed to the elements? There's two things. He says trouble and persecution. Trouble, this word in Greek is thalipsis. And it reminded me when I was researching the definition, we're going to Camp Impact this week. And Camp Impact hasn't always been in Florida. Uh, we used to go, take them to this, this place called Whitewater Express in a glorious place called Ducktown, Tennessee. Okay? Ducktown, Tennessee. Right next to an abandoned copper mine. Everybody just walks around the city glowing. <laughs> but our kids would get there and inevitably... You get all these young campers together, and they go into, and they got to make their beds, right? But they see that there, there are these vinyl mattresses on, these, on three bunk beds, right? So they go, all right, I'm going to have the best mattress at camp. So what they do is they take these mattresses that nobody's using, and they stack them up. And if you're in middle school, you know, two's not enough. I got four mattresses because I'm going to be sleeping like a king at camp, right? And they try to put their little, they put their little, uh, uh, you know, blankets down over it, their little pillow on it, you know, and then they're standing up on the top of the third row and there's four mattresses and they go to jump on these vinyl mattresses and the mattresses shoot out everywhere. They're vinyl, you know, glorious, sweaty things we put kids on. <laughs> the idea behind this word trouble is like that. Philipsis means something that is free-moving put under pressure. It's not something that's bound. It's something that is free and they're trying to put it under pressure. How many of you know that this accurately describes the culture in which we are living? That believers are free. I don't know if you knew this. Did you know that believers in Christ get freedom? 
Oh man, he who, set, he who believes in the Son is set free. They are free indeed. Oh man, I've read my Bible. Y'all can call yourself sinners if you want, but I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm free. Did you know you get some freedom from Jesus? But here comes Satan. Here comes, here comes this, this pressure on free things. And you know, it's not supposed to work. You know, the trouble and the pressure, you're just supposed to slide right out of that. Unless you have no root. You, you get that trouble and persecution that, that, that people, you're a Christian? Really? You're a Christian? You know what that means, right? You're a bigot. You're a racist. You, you hate. You know what happens? People start going, oh, I, I just wanted to go to heaven. And, and and suddenly, you know, if you're if you're young enough, you you'd understand this. Suddenly, you're affected by the cancel culture, and you start caring. Oh no no no! This friend's going away, and I, I won't have a voice. And I I, I don't know I don't know what, uh, uh, how do I back away from from their ideas so I can just fit in and not have trouble. This pressure to conform or this this persecution because of the word. How do we do it? You know, this is this is what get, we get exposed to. And notice what happens to those who have no root. It says they fall away. Now, this word in Greek is skandalizo. It's the word that we get scandal from, but it's not really meant to, to mean like scandal, like ooh, something bad happened. It it actually is referring to the bait stick of a trap. And so it says. In a time of testing and persecution, they take the bait and get trapped. And Jesus is going, hey, hey, you're probably going to get some pressure. You're probably going to get a little bit of persecution because of the words that I'm sharing with you. Don't. Take the bait. And if I have been sent to tell you anything in this hour, you are in an hour where Satan is trying to find out, are there still any stones in your heart? And he's setting traps and it's set and, and there's this pressure coming from culture, perhaps your friends and coworkers, and it's because of the word. They take offense. And it's, it's, um, it's tough. And I want to say this. Um, first of all, if you're here today and I mention anything from God's word that kind of like strikes you in the heart and you, it makes you mad, please come talk to us. This is a place where we want to talk and have relationship. 
Please don't do what everybody wants to do. That is to label someone so you don't have to do life with them. I promise you in this house, we will not label you, but we will do life with you. Just extend the same grace to us. And if I say something today, which, uh, by the way, I'm just going to quote the Bible. Some of you are going to get uh, squeezed like this. Go ahead and get far into the book to find a squeezing moment. Just go back to the garden. God's there, creates the world. A little bit of squeezing going on there since we're still teaching evolution. But then we get to Genesis chapter 2, and God says, I made Adam and Eve, he and she, and Adam took her as his wife. Are you ready? Marriage is between one man and one woman. I'm glad you're clapping now, but I wish some of you had been clapping outside of the lazy lawmakers in Washington, D.C. when they took a sacred term and made it secular. Marriage isn't a secular term. It's a sacred one. God performed the first, first marriage, therefore he got to define it. How important was marriage? He did it in the garden, first thing. Well, we, we don't really want to bring that up. Well, since you don't want to bring that up, it is a sin for a man to dress as a woman and a woman to dress as a man according to Deuteronomy 22.5. Listen, I'm not making light of anybody who is having issues. I'm really not. If you are, I really want to wrap my arms around and let's have a real conversation. But I want you to think and I want you to know that there is a God who is good and moral and he says this, I want you to be like me. He said, I don't want you to be like you. As wonderful as you are, you can't save a soul. What he invites us to is a funeral. He says, all right, come to the funeral. You're like, God, okay, whose? Yours. I died and came back so I can live. I want you to go to your own funeral, die to yourself so I can live through you. And so sometimes when the word is spoken, we're like, ugh. Not comfortable. Oh, there's lots of these. Let me just give you another one just for the sake of time. Billions of people will spend time in eternal torment in hell apart from God for eternity because they did not receive Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. <laughs> Pressure. You say, really? 
eternally? Yeah, Mark 9 says that the worm doesn't die. And by the way, that's not talking about a maggot or an earthworm. That is referring to the soul of man. It's referring to the soul of man. He's saying they never die in eternal torment. And you know what? Some people are going to say, yeah, I don't believe that. I don't want anything to do with that. And you're going to get pressure, philipsis, and you're going you're to receive that, that uh, um, persecution for that word. Can I just say, if you don't have a root system, when you get pressure because of what God's word says, by the way, we're taught to not only receive Jesus, but to obey all of his words to embrace all of his teachings so listen don't just receive the verses that you feel comfortable with you need to receive the ones that make you a little uncomfortable including the ones church that says you should not be involved in sexual sin you should not be in a sexual relationship unless you are married to that man or woman It is sin. It is not okay to say, oh, no, we're going to live together. We're going to just try this out and see if it'll work. I've got bad news for you. If you do that your way, 75% of those relationships end in divorce. That's facts. Try it God's way. Why? Because God wants to bless you with love and purity. And he wants your relationship to represent what he wants with the whole world. Unceasing devotion to one another. Anybody feeling it? I say, oh, I can't bring those things up at work. They will. Ah, I'll be rejected. Yeah, oh. The only way that you can endure in an hour where there is pressure, where there is trouble, and where there is persecution is to grow a root system. Listen to me, church. A root system is below the surface. It's below the surface. Everything that someone sees is an expression of what's going on below the surface. I'm asking you now, do you have a prayer life that no one sees? Do you have a worship life that no one sees? Do you have a devotional life in God's word that no one sees? If you don't, rocks are real close. And you'll come to church on Sunday and you're like, yeah, I believe in Christ. And that which is meant to be not only above the surface, but below the surface. It's only above the surface. And that root gets exposed. What happens to that one who only worships in public, only prays in public, only does things to be seen, to be a part of of a crowd or a movement? Here's what happens. They scandalizo. Take the bait of the pressure of culture, and they stumble. Listen, Jesus did not tell us this parable to make us all depressed. He told us this parable to let us know, by the way, I've got a plan to heal a superficial heart. 
It's revealed in Ezekiel. Three times in Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies this very thing. But in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, this is what God says. I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He said, I'll do that work. If you what? Receive it. i got to receive it. Church, I want to tell you, The reason why you walk in this room and feel the presence of God isn't because we're awesome on Sundays. It's because we're hidden Monday through Thursday in a place called daily prayer. We're doing things in the secret place of intercession and prayer and worship before the Lord. And it is there God speaks and there God confirms. And there God sets an atmosphere for you to come and to receive and experience the presence of God and the healing of God and the deliverance of God. It is because there is something below the surface. And I want to invite you, church, into a life that is lived below the surface. So that when you are out in front of people, grace rests on what you do. Let me... Let me just read this to you, and then I'm going to close. Otherwise, you're going to be joined by the next service. (laughs) Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law or the instruction of the Lord. And he, what, meditates on it day and night. This is a secret place thing. This isn't out in front of people. This is below the surface. He shall be like a what? A tree. What's a tree have? That which is above the surface, and it has roots. It has roots. Notice what happens to the tree that has roots. He's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. You want to bear fruit in your lifetime? You develop a root system, something below the surface nobody sees in your relationship with God. He says, and then you will, you'll be like that one planted by the rivers of water bringing forth fruit in your season. And I love this. It says, and their leaves will not wither. I love this word wither. In the Hebrew, it means disgraced. So here's what it means. That person who has a root system in God that person who's not who, who's saying I'm going deep below the surface in my in my in my uh, in my relationship with God. There's a secret life I have with God. The farthest reaches of your life have grace on them. It says they don't wither. It's not disgraced. Here's what that looks like. As Dan mentioned, I uh, I frequent the best restaurant in Inverness Outback, <laughs> and that staff needs Jesus. I'm just gonna say it plain. If you work there, God bless you. <laughs> Glad you're a missionary. And I, I, I just, I, I, I know, I've gotten to know some people on that staff, and I know what they face. And I, I hear their stories. And sometimes I'll just reach up and put my hand on their shoulder and say something like, you know what? God's going to take care of that. God's going to speak to you. They just think 
It's a comforting pat on the back. They don't know like a ninja for Jesus just laid hands on them. Like, and they just got, they just got marked by God. They're going to go home and they're like, I don't even want that anymore. I don't feel like, man, I need, where's my Bible? What, where did this come from? Have a great day. Secret life. Great, God will put grace on the far reaches of your life. I'm telling you, I stood right here. There was a baby so sick it was lethargic. God said, just pick up the baby and just walk. You don't even have to say anything. I held that baby. I, I promise you, it wasn't even two minutes. That baby marked up my suit, my shirt with sweat. All I did was hold it. Fever broke, and the baby, I mean like this, boom, turned around. As a sign and a wonder to the family. Can I just tell you? That's not, that's, that's nothing to do with public ministry. It has everything to do with, with private fellowship with the healer. And church, if you are going to thrive in this hour, it will be because you developed a root system with Jesus.